You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 552 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Tuesday evening into Wednesday morning, and we are here to discuss what transpired between the Hawks and the Houston Rockets on Tuesday evening. I was in the building down at Safe Arm Arena for this particular contest, and most of the pod will be focused on that game. But a couple of notes to hit on before we get to the actual game itself. First of all, the result of this game um, was a was a Hawks loss, as you probably know by the time you listen to this podcast, and that officially eliminates the Hawks from the playoff chase. Um, of course, there's no real mystery there, but I, I figured I would at least announce when it happened officially. The NBA announced earlier in the day on Tuesday that it was that it was indeed going to be official if the Hawks were to lose this game, and uh, they lost it. So that kind of closes the book on that in terms of the mathematical odds of the Hawks being able to make a playoff run. So there is that. Um, elsewhere, I did a podcast, a big podcast, a very long podcast actually, with Tyler Jones, good friend of the program from over there at ATL on 29, talking about the NBA draft. And of course, the NCAA tournament begins this week, so plenty of draft-based content in the ether. I... I also actually wrote a pretty big draft guide for Hawks fans over at PeachtreeHoops.com with some guys to keep, to keep in mind and keep a uh, close eye on over the next couple of weeks or so. Um, about 60 guys or so that are actually taking part in the tournament that are, I think, draftable at this point in time that I wanted to put a spotlight on. I also am going to be releasing a new mock draft. This is a, that's a non-Hawks thing. I guess the Hawks are involved because it's the Hawks and it kind of covers the entire league, but it is a national NBA mock draft over at Dime Mag. So check that out on Wednesday when it goes up. And uh, that's all the plugs I have for now. But the one, um, I, I guess, piece of news that actually transpired aside from the game on Tuesday was that the Hawks signed a 10-day contract guy with Deontay Davis for Michigan State big man that was a, a guy who fell out of the first round unexpectedly a couple years ago, has uh, played in the NBA fairly recently in a couple couple different stops, but recently this year, he's actually not played an NBA game, he's been playing with the Santa Cruz Warriors, but a 22-year-old big man, and uh, I'll talk more about him in a moment, but I wanted to play some audio for you. I asked Lloyd Pierce before the game started on Tuesday what he expects from uh, the signing of Davis, and here's what he had to say. Uh, still evaluations, you know, just, just an opportunity to have another young big that's kind of in that that middle spot of their career. He's you know he's been in the league what is it three or four years now. Um, he's played with two NBA teams, Memphis and Sacramento, I believe. Spent a lot of time in the G League, and you know I told him just talking to him earlier. This is why you're here. We want to get to know you. We want to know a little bit more about you. You come out of Michigan State as a late lottery. Now you're bouncing around a little bit. The talent is there. And sometimes it just takes a different team, a different setting, a different opportunity. And so this is our first step of looking at someone that was high potential and seeing if maybe there's a plug or a fit. Um, maybe not in 10 days, but at least we get up and close and we're able to spend some time with them while, while we uh, have them here over the 10-day period. 
so no huge surprises in what uh, Pierce is saying there with regard to Davis. Uh, quick, quick, quick rundown here of what he actually has been able to do in his brief NBA career. As uh, Pierce notes, it's been multiple stops for him. Uh, in about 1,200 NBA minutes, he has a 61% true shooting, which is uh, quite good, even for a center. Um, Davis is a freak athlete, like a big-time athlete. That was that was his big appeal coming out of college as a one-and-done guy at Michigan State. I thought, frankly, um, during that draft a couple of years ago, that he was going to be a top 15 pick or so, and he ended up falling to 31 outside the first round. Um, that actually, at this point, looks to be the right decision for those teams that passed on him because he's not been very good at this point in time. There is there is real upside with his, with his uh, burst and his athleticism overall. But he hasn't been a great rebounder in the NBA. Not a huge uh, high basketball IQ guy from what I've seen. Um, dating, back to, dating back to Michigan State, I candidly have not seen him a ton this year in the G League, but I've seen him in Summer League, seen him in the NBA at times, and of course dating back to college and draft evaluation. That's always been a knock on his game is just the sort of lack of awareness that he has shown at different times. I do think um, you know it's important to note that he does not turn 23 even until December, so he's 22 right now. I keep pushing for the front office to take flyers on youth and upside, and Davis does have both of those things. I wouldn't say that it's very likely that he fulfills that upside, but at the same time, um, you know he's definitely the opposite of Tyler Zeller. Tyler Zeller was the guy who they brought in to uh, be a stopgap for 10 days when they kind of just needed someone that they could play without too much practice. Now the Hawks are taking the more long-range approach with Davis. You know, Pierce is non-committal. It's not his decision ever when it comes to personnel stuff, but I'm sure he's in the mix in the discussion process. And, you know, at this point in time, we'll see what he looks like. He played the last 40 seconds or so on, on Tuesday in complete garbage time, so not too much to evaluate there. But it's tough to take a too, too long of a look at a guy over only 10 days. The Hawks will practice um, on Wednesday, which is a good opportunity for him to get in the building and kind of do some stuff. But a long-range, um, I guess, take a – the best way that I say this about Davis is just to say that the Hawks are taking a flyer on him. At the moment, he is, he's just not very good at basketball. i got to be honest about that. But – I do understand the thought process, and I think um, it's worth acknowledging. And I think maybe not praising, but you know, sort of accepting the fact that the Hawks are taking um, a long-term approach here. You know, most of the time, I would advocate taking uh, this kind of shot on a wing. And the Hawks have done a little bit of that over the last two years with Antonius Cleveland and Damian Lee, guys like that. Um, and even this year with B.J. Johnson, who's still on the roster on his second day, on his second ten-day contract. But with, with the current state of the front court um, behind the uh, obvious rotation guys, you know, you have Spellman hurt, you have Poitras hurt, you have Plumley hurt. They probably needed to take a flyer on somebody in the front court. And Davis, while probably not the best option available, I would say Christian Wood, who was, was recently cut, um, is someone you could probably, I, I would have I placed ahead of Davis. But in terms of w- what the Hawks might be looking for, youth, upside, burst. He isn't super-duper skilled, but somebody who does have some talent, and I think there's a reason that the Hawks will go out, go out and, uh, and sign him. So we'll see what transpires there in the coming days. But um, enough about that for now. We'll move on to the game itself. And it was an interesting game. I wouldn't say it was the best game in the history of, the, of basketball, but a 121-105 to victory for the Rockets at the hands of the Hawks. Atlanta was a seven and a half point underdog in this game. Not a big surprise there, considering Houston's been playing great. Even before um, Tuesday, they were they had won eleven out of twelve games with the one loss coming by three points to the Warriors. So not not a bad stretch for Houston, and they won, of course, in this game as well. Um, early on. Um, Torian Prince had some foul trouble. He actually fouled James Harden on a step-back three on the first possession of the game, which kind of set a bad precedent um, throughout um, this game. Actually, after the fact, Lloyd Pierce kind of lamented the fact that the Rockets were able to take double the free throws of the Hawks. Um, In his defense, I'm sure that was frustrating after the weekend where he was not very happy with the officiating against Orlando either. But on the flip side, Houston does, as a team, draw a lot more fouls than the Hawks do. So just keep something to keep in mind. Of course, James Harden is a professional foul drawer at the highest order. 
Um, early on, I thought the Hawks weren't playing great de- great defense. Uh, frankly, they had some weird breakdowns in the first few minutes of this game, but Houston didn't really make them play make them pay. They actually missed their first six threes, and the Hawks led ten to nine when Torian Prince got a second foul. Um, there was a couple of uh, nice moments in the first quarter for the Hawks, including a 10-0 run that gave them a 22-17 lead that included two threes for Vince Carter. In fact, he hit three threes in the first quarter. Vince was a big part of the Hawks staying afloat, and they were able to play even in the first on the strength of nine assists on 10 baskets. Um, Houston didn't shoot the ball well the entire first half, in fact. They were 4 of 21 from three in the first half and still posted a very respectable 107 offensive rating because... There was a big run on the horizon. Uh, Houston opened 2 of 17 from 3, but they actually hit a few in a row with uh, Harden and Eric Gordon knocking down a couple of threes, and Daniel House made, uh, I believe, two in the first half as well. The Rockets had a 12 to 1 run to take an 11 point lead. The Hawks did score the final six, sorry, the final five points of the first half to get to get back within six, but some foul trouble with three on Prince, three on Baysmore, and the Hawks had to go to a two point guard lineup actually the last two minutes of the first half. Um, in general, though, you know, Atlanta couldn't be terribly happy with being down by six at the same time. I think they probably were fortunate to only be down, down by six because the Hawks weren't good on offense necessarily in the first half shooting 38% in their own right and 29% from three. Did pass the ball well all night long. Honestly, they were pretty happy with that. You know, I talked to John Collins after the game. He's pretty happy with the offense. 15 assists in the first half, but defensively, they just couldn't get a lot of stops and the floodgates were opening because, you know, all the shots that Houston was getting in the first half, they started making them in the second half. But even in the first half, you know, Clint Capella had 20 points. Pierce noted after the game when prompted by our own Jeff Siegel about the fact that they just were not containing the role man very well in the first half. That was Capella who had 20 points very efficiently and then Harden had a very typical Harden first half as well. But um, we will come back in a moment. I sort of am breaking in a different spot than normal because of all the news that happened at the beginning of the podcast. We will get to the second half and the individual stuff about this game in a moment, but I do have to tell you about the good folks at DraftKings. And did you know that you could follow a tournament bracket this year at DraftKings? That's right, DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, has a totally free bracket with tens of thousands of dollars up for grabs. Everyone fills out a bracket before the tournament starts, so you might as well do it on an award-winning app with tons of prizes. For the first time ever, DraftKings is offering a bracket battle promotion with $64,000 in prizes. You know how brackets work. Before tip-off of the first game of the tournament, just pick every winner of the game and every round. That's all you have to do. And the best part is you can play for free with promo code DRIBBLE. You can even set up a private group for you and your friends to compete for bragging rights, which is especially handy if you have really hot takes on when upsets might happen along the way. So download the DraftKings app or head to DraftKings.com now. Use promo code DRIBBLE to enter the bracket battle promotion for free and compete for your share of sixty-four. That's promo code DRIBBLE to enter the bracket battle for free only at DraftKings. The game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. We're back to talk about the rest of these uh, of the game itself and, of course, getting to the individual player breakdowns as we always do. The second half... You know, kind of interesting. The third quarter did not, did not go in Hawks' favor. Actually, kind of felt like it was more of an avalanche than it actually was in the end. Houston outscored Atlanta 31-25. It felt worse than that, frankly, because the big run that came by the Rockets didn't come until after the Hawks made their own run. In fact, Torian Prince made, had, had his fourth foul at about the 10-minute mark of the third quarter, so he was in foul trouble all, all that long. But the Hawks did have a run in them with back-to-back threes from Trey Young and Dwayne Debin to take the lead, actually, up by two. Uh, but from there, it was an immediate 9-0 run by the Rockets to take control again with a trio of threes. And in general, there was a 22-6 overall push from the Rockets, who started 10-15 of from, from the floor and 8-11, of 8-11 of from three in the third quarter uh, before they missed their last two. But a pretty crazy start for Houston shooting the ball and sort of all the shots that were missing in the first half. 
started to go in, and that was sort of the downfall of the Hawks in this spot. They had eight assists in the first nine and a half minutes as well, and Houston was kind of zinging the ball around in a way that they don't always do, and getting good looks and making all of them. Uh, by the time the dust settled, the Hawks were down double digits. Um, in the fourth quarter, they did make a quick a quick little spurt off a Trey Young three to get back within nine, but there was an immediate response from Houston to go back up by 15 points with about nine minutes to go. From there, the, the lead was pretty comfortable the rest of the way. Um, there was a big, three, a big pair of threes from Daniel House um, midway through the third quarter, and then a Chris Paul dagger, I think, for me, with about six and a half minutes to go to go up by 20. The Hawks did get back within 14 briefly after that with a 6-0 run of their own. And uh, Torian Prince had a three that hit the rim about 10 different times that would have cut the lead to about 11 with four minutes to go. But Clint Capella threw down an exclamation mark dunk with about three and a half minutes to go to go up by 16. And that was kind of the end of that. So, you know, as that as they're kind of you might as you might expect here, there's a lot of uh, nuance to this game in some ways. But in the end, Houston just scored at will, frankly. They had a 122.6 offensive rating. That's very, very good. And that's at the expense of the Hawks. And frankly, you know, the shooting looks decent by the end. You know, 40% from the floor is obviously really good. Uh, start from three, I should say, is obviously really good. 51% from the floor. And uh, that's with Houston kind of starting off pretty cold. So the Hawks just didn't play right defensively. They were, you know, there's no shame in being beat up by the Rockets a little bit, who are great offense. Still, the Hawks just couldn't contain them. Um, Harden did Harden stuff with 31-10. and 10. Uh, Capella had 26-11 and 11 in his own right. And Chris Paul really took over, I thought, in the second half at times, kind of subtly making little plays, but finding Daniel House, breaking down the defense. He had 13-11 and 11 in his own right. I thought he played great after halftime. So, you know, just one of those things. By the way, and also, Daniel House, I mentioned him a couple, a couple times before. He had 19 points in 33 minutes on six threes, and uh, he just kind of did everything they wanted to do. He was plus 20 off the bench for Houston. Not someone that you would normally talk about, but he was uh, money in this game. For the Hawks, offensively, they were actually okay. A 106 offensive rating, 30 assists, which is really good, and 39 um, field, on field goal attempts. They shot 38% from three. Lloyd Pierce, though, lamented the free throw disparity. The Rockets took double the free throws. They had 30 attempts versus only 15 for the Hawks. That ended up being a pretty big deal here, and also the Hawks turned the ball over too much with 19 turnovers, leading to 24 points for the Rockets. You know, shooting the ball okay, and on the whole, the offense was probably you know good enough to be competitive, but just the defense kind of let them down in this game. And that's how you lose by 15-point margins. Sorry, 16-point margin at the end of the day here. Um, individually, we'll go through this kind of briefly here on this fine Tuesday into Wednesday. Um, off the bench, a couple of guys had, had good nights. You know, DeAndre, DeAndre Bembry I thought was really good. 14 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, and 3 turnovers for Bembry. A couple of bad moments, as he is sort of prone to do, have some uh, ugly mishaps, but was efficient offensively, hit two threes, which is always good for him. 5-9 from the floor, and I thought he played competitive defense as well when they needed him to, when other guys were banged up in foul trouble. Um, Vince Carter had, of course, the huge first half with a bunch of threes, and he hit 5 in the game to keep the Hawks engaged. Um, with 15 points, he had one of the better plus-minus ratings, only minus 2, and again, they lost by 16, and he played a lot of minutes. The rest of the bench, though, was really not very effective. Alex Lynn was uh, – it's not a good matchup for Alex Lynn, to be honest with you. And they only played him 12 minutes. They went to John Collins at center for a little bit of time, and I can't blame them because, you know, just the way that Houston plays, not the greatest matchup in the world for Alex Lynn, who was pretty quiet. Joe Adams kind of came back crashing to earth a little bit offensively. Did have four assists, which is good, but other than that, didn't bring too much to the table. 0-4 from the floor, 0-3 from three. And Kent Bazemore struggled again as well. Three points, five rebounds, three assists and a steal. He had some nice moments along the way, but in general was a pretty negative performance from Kent. He had four turnovers, the second most on the team. Just wasn't very effective on either end of the floor and didn't play as much as you would imagine as a result of his poor play. 
Um, to the starters, not too many bright spots, but a couple to speak of. We'll say that we'll say for the end. Kevin Herter was pretty non-existent in this game. Four points on two of nine shooting, 0 of six from three. Um, had a nice highlight dunk that he threw down from Trey Young. A good reminder that Kevin Herter is a pretty pretty darn good athlete. Um, had four assists as well, but just didn't have too much force around the rim. And just uh, lately has not been shooting the ball all that well since his uh, since his um, scalding hot game against Memphis last week. He's been kind of cool since then. Uh, wasn't I, I don't think he was terrible. Just just not a noteworthy game necessarily for Herter. Uh, Deadman was pretty quiet as well. 8.7 rebounds. Didn't really have his uh, trademark swagger going either, except for um, a couple of threes that he hit. But he's only one of six on twos, which is not normal for Deadman. Torian Prince had some nice moments and some ugly moments along the way. 16 points was good on, on 10 shots, 4 of 6 from 3. Um, both he and Vince Carter got some praise from Pierce and the way they, they, that they played offensively. Uh, Prince was competitive on defense, you know, committed a lot of fouls. Before the game, I asked Lloyd Pierce how, you know, it was, last time they played Houston, Prince didn't play, and I kind of envisioned him starting on Harden, and he did. He played he, he played defense on Harden competitively, but you know Pierce stressed the fact of just kind of playing intelligently defensively and not committing fouls, not getting into like a bravado contest with James Harden because he he knows how to maximize that. You know, I think Prince getting foul trouble early was kind of a direct contrast to what Pierce wanted early on in the game and reading between the lines for what he said pregame. But I thought Prince at least competed. He certainly gets up for those matchups a little bit more. He gets more engaged defensively against high end guys. When he's, you know, and with the lineup the way that it is now, Prince is not one of the three best defenders on the on the perimeter on this roster. But if you go into a game and you're starting Prince, Herder, and Young, you kind of have to have Prince guard the best player uh, on the perimeter, which is James Harden, of course. And I thought he did a decent job, even if he fouled just too much um, by his standards. So, you know, other than that, um, not too much to say about about Prince. And then you have, of course, you have Collins and Young. Um, John Collins had 20 points and 10 rebounds. He was minus 18, though, which was a game worst. Not, that's not really on him, I wouldn't say. 9 of 14 from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3. I thought he was pretty competitive. You know, defensively, he's not fantastic, but he was uh, not terrible either. And um, we'll move on from there. Trey Young had a really big statistical game with 21 points, 12 assists, and four rebounds. Did have seven turnovers, though. Had a couple of uh, shaky moments, but was pretty good offensively. It's kind of been a theme for a while. Now Trey's been really good offensively for a long time. Talked about him a little bit with, with Tower Jones yesterday on the podcast, but 13 field goal attempts for 21 points. Got to the line seven times. He was the only player on the Hawks that got to the line consistently, and he made two of, two of five from three. So, no complaints about his offense. Defensively, he was beat up a little bit in this game. It's a really bad matchup for Trey in his defense. You know, he was asked before the game, uh, sorry, Lloyd Pierce was asked before the game kind of how they would use Young defensively. You know, they put him on Chris Paul to start with. They kind of have to, especially when you're playing against Houston. There's nowhere for him to really hide. Uh, they're starting perimeter guys of Chris Paul, James Harden, and Eric Gordon. And Eric Gordon is the worst of those three guys, but he's a big, physical, strong guy. And Young would be just bowled over by him. So they kind of have to put him on Paul. And Paul didn't kill him in the first half, to his credit. But after that, he kind of uh, got creative, and they definitely attacked Young a couple different times with Harden and with Paul, and even with Gordon and Capella, and all the you know they, they kind of just targeted him as most teams do. But you know, I didn't think he was particularly bad by his standards. It's just one of those things where it's one of those nights where you have to be reminded that he is a weakness, and it's going to get picked on sometimes. But offensively, he was by far the engine of the team as usual, and the 12 assists speak for themselves out of the 30 that the Hawks had as a team. So there are positives, there are negatives, as with most guys, but. I thought the Hawks didn't play terribly in this game. You know, they they lost by more than they were supposed to lose by, quote-unquote, supposed to lose by in Las Vegas, but I thought they uh, competed. And I think that's uh, something to hold your to sort of hang your hat on a little bit. They've lost three in a row, though. That's unfortunate because the schedule is not going to let up. I talked about this a little bit earlier in the week, but Atlanta before this game, which is, and obviously this game is a pretty tough one, <laughs> even at home. The Hawks had the second the second hardest remaining strength of schedule in the league, and that was they were only barely percentage points out of number one in that in that slot. And it doesn't get any easier this week. They have home games against Utah 
who is quite good, and then Philly, who's been awesome lately on Saturday. So Utah Thursday, Philly Saturday, nothing easy here, and the Hawks have lost three in a row, so just something to keep an eye on there. Um, big picture, that'll be all, you, all that I have for, on this particular game, other than the fact that I think the Hawks probably played a little bit better than the score indicates, but still um, tough to uh, say much about that, other than just Houston's a much better team, and they were sort of dialed in after halftime. So that'll do it for today's podcast. One reminder here, I'm actually traveling the rest of the week, so no podcasts probably between now and Sunday. The Hawks do have two games. I will recap those games, hopefully with a guest on Sunday's podcast, but no immediate game recap pod of Thursday night's game. I will not be at that game. I'll be traveling for NCAA tournament purposes, so my apologies for that. It'll be the only time that I'm doing that, and uh, you know, it's just one of those things, and uh, I'll come back and have plenty of content available. I again stress, if you missed the podcast that I did with Tower Jones, it's very long, so it could be a multiple podcast for your listening pleasure. If you want to stretch that out over a couple of different um, sessions, I would probably rec- recommend that. It's very, very long by my standards. But plenty of content to get you through the week. Also, Peachtree Hoops is, got, is loaded with content, so please check us out in the written form there. And uh, if nothing else, please subscribe to the podcast, and I will see you all when I get back from the trip. So see you Sunday, and uh, we will get through. And if, if by the way, if, if the past is any indication, I'm sure one of these guys will be an absolute classic on Thursday and Saturday because the last time I had, that I had to travel, the Hawks played a couple of classics, including the four-overtime game. So um, I guess buckle up, and uh, we'll see you guys later on in the weekend.